Am I Reister or am I wrong? The MLB is the crash test dummy for the NFL and college football. Kyrie Irving inspires Motivation Monday. Tom Cotton saying that slavery was a necessary evil upon which the nation was built is moronic. And the NFL now has the Lou Williams rule for reckless COVID behavior. Am I Reister or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet daily fire. Facts only. Check your feelings at the door. This ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, social justice warriors, or any BS. I keep it 100. Uh, You guys, make sure that you leave a rating, leave a thumbs up, leave a comment on the podcast as well, and share with a friend. And if you want to get a hold of me, hit me up, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com. Make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, leave a five-star rating. Over the next eight weeks, I'll be giving away two $50 Amazon gift cards each week. All you have to do to enter is leave a podcast rating, screenshot that, and share the podcast on social media, on Twitter, or on Facebook. And screenshot that and tag me in it, and you will be entered. And I will be giving away those randomly uh, each week. We will start with the MLB. So the MLB, as we know, we found out this morning. The Miami Marlins, uh, they have had uh, 13 or 14 people test positive between players and coaches. And the the league, and now their game is canceled. Their next game is canceled. And also the Yankees versus the Phillies game has been postponed, rather, as well, because that's the same clubhouse that Miami was in yesterday. And the Yankees are like, nah, nah, playboy, we're not going in there. So uh, MLB, which is not playing in a bubble, which had an opportunity to play in a bubble, they could have played at their spring training sites. You could add half the teams in Arizona, half the teams in Florida, play them all together, and then come together and make a a World Series champion, essentially, which would have been a bubble, which was possible. They chose not to do that, inexplicably, because that was the optimal solution. So instead, they will be traveling around, flying around, staying in different hotels, getting on buses, uh, planes, all this stuff where they can't control the environment or who's been there before them. And that's what the NFL and college football are attempting to do. The NBA has put their players in a bubble. It's much more practical. They don't have as many players. Got like 300 guys in there. That's reasonable. But to have, you know, 13,000 college football players in a bubble, not possible. NFL players not in a bubble, not possible. So trying to regulate their behavior outside of outside in their normal everyday life is extremely difficult, especially for college kids, because that's not I mean, they are inherently irresponsible because they're young kids. There's a reason why they can't rent cars. Insurance companies know that they make bad choices and irresponsible decisions compared to older people. So going back to this, if the MLB cannot be successful, which is a socially distant sport, 
There is not a chance in hell that the NFL and college football even have a shot of being successful playing games. It's not even possible. It's a socially distant sport. And the Marlins game being canceled is discouraging to say the least about football in particular. And there's so many people there. I'm going to call them COVIDians who are telling you that this MLB cancellation is no big deal and everybody's going to be fine to just play ball. Look at the facts and the data. The facts and the data crowd says just look at the numbers. The problem is you can't trust the numbers yet because as, as a lot of epidemiologists and scientists have told us, if you look at the numbers today, you're actually 14 days out because of the incubation period. So you're trying to forecast something that is in the unknown. So looking at today's numbers is not the actual answer. And the other thing is this, as it relates to sports, they, the most of the leagues have a very similar testing policy that you have to have two negative tests, at which at least takes 48 hours. And you, in, a long, in addition to that, you have had to have had 72 hours without symptoms. So at the very least, that is three days. And in baseball, how do you expect to make up any of these games when you're playing essentially 60 games in 70 days almost? It's not possible, especially when they're flying from city to city in such close proximity. You can't make these games up. People say, just play double hitters. Well, it's a totally different team you're playing against right now. So it it creates a, a, a nightmare. And there's so many people that will tell you, oh, stop rooting for the virus. Rooting? Nobody wants sports gone. That That's to me one of the most troubling things that we have turned into is you're rooting for the virus. No, it just seems inevitable. The writing is on the wall for what can potentially happen. It's just, it's a numbers game. Granted, some people are, not, that athletes are not high risk. Some coaches are. And the risk tolerance for colleges in particular is zero. Because if they get one person, one college athlete who gets very sick or dies out of the, let's just look at football, 13,000 of them. And we know in 2020, weird stuff happens. So each school's risk tolerance has to be zero because there's a financial liability that you're going to have with college kids that you're not going to have the same way with professionals. So this could bankrupt schools. We're talking about Michigan State, uh, you know, $500 million, $100 million in damages. And especially if somebody dies. Oh, yeah, no. The But when you look at the overall numbers, if you said 13,000 kids, one kid died. OK, not that big of a deal, right? But it's a big deal for that school. So each school only has a certain amount of risk tolerance. And in, in that scientists and doctors. So I sit on a board for the football players health study at Harvard. And what I have learned, I've not been able to share all of the things that we've talked about because it's private information. But here's what I can tell you is that scientists and doctors don't truly even know what's going on. But looking at the numbers today about the facts and data to make proclamations, 
is COVID behavior. Today is really 14 days from now. I mean, th- this is such a like people will tell you that this is a big deal. I mean, that is not a big deal. And the COVID have been conti- consistently moving the goalposts. In March, it was no big deal. Only a thousand people will die max. We can play March Madness ball. Stop overreacting. In June, the worst is over. Sports will be back by July 4th. Now sports are starting. Pro athletes will be fine. CFB plays too. But we're not considering the people whose lives and their families who are impacted. And the inherently selfish nature of people in general. Because we've seen this when people don't want to wear masks. It, which would which they believe will slow the spread of the coronavirus. And when it comes to sports, you would think that that players would be inherently team oriented and want to do the right thing for themselves, for their teammates, for the health of the league and their future paychecks. But with Lou Williams, we've seen that that's not true. He went to a strip club to, to pick up food with Jack Harlow. Weird, right? He can have somebody else do it, can postmate it. I know that he is on, that he's got his own wings on the menu, but it makes no sense. I mean, and you have Alex Caruso from the Lakers who is missed his sister's wedding because he knows that with the Lakers having Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo out, he's got a shot to play. So he's like, I'm not going to ruin my opportunity. And Lou Williams, 16-year vet, ah, I'm not worried about it. I got all my cheese already. So you have people on such different sides of the, of, the, of the spectrum, and they're playing in a bubble. So how do we expect that to work for all the rest of the sports? It's not happening. I'm going to tell you this right now, and you can say I'm rooting for sports to fail. I'm not. This is my job. I want to go to games. I want to go to my kids' games. I want to see my Ducks play as well. But then that moves us on to the next thing, the Monday motivation. Kyrie Irving has started a one and a half million dollar fund out of his own money for WNBA players who choose to sit out the 2020 WNBA season due to personal, professional health and or safety related reasons. And this all kind of started with Elena Deladon, who is one of the best players in the league. She takes 60 pills a day for her Lyme disease to keep it under control. And they're not going, the WNBA is not going to pay its players. NBA is related to some of the funding there. So Kyrie Irving, great job. So, and he inspired the Monday motivation because my first thought when I saw that he did this was what would Kobe Bryant be doing to help the WNBA players and college athletes right now? Cause we see how big of an advocate he was. He would be out doing great things. So then that leads me to the Monday motivation. Kobe talks about no negotiating. Don't negotiate with yourself. When you set out a plan to do something, if it's uh, working out, if it's, you know, getting up, reading your Bible every day, uh, uh, giving your kids a hug every day, whatever it is, don't negotiate to get it done. Or negotiate your way out of it with yourself. Because we all try to do that. Oh, I don't feel good today. I'm hot. I'm tired. I probably should rest. No. Don't negotiate. Just get it done. And that's the Monday motivation. Next thing up. Tom Cotton. Oh, Lord have mercy. (laughs) Senator from Arkansas. 
He went on record saying that slavery was a necessary evil upon which the union was built. That's absolutely moronic because if you're telling me that slavery, uh, race-based slavery, where it was legal to rape, torture, and sell human beings for profit was a necessary evil. It is hard to imagine what can't be justified as a means to an end. It's hard. I mean, so then everything is fine, right? Because the ends justify the means. Because truthfully, building a country where all people have equal rights, representation, and opportunity, it was possible. And we wouldn't be in the mess we are in right now. No civil war. You wouldn't have had a civil war where 618,000 people died. No arguments over Confederate monuments. No kneeling. No, uh, no need for Black Lives Matter. KKK wouldn't exist. White nationalists gone. No Antifa. I mean, we're wasting time as a country and spinning our wheels because of dumb slavery. They're basic human rights. And but Tom Cotton's going on. Oh, it's a necessary evil. No, it wasn't. And then there are people that will say that we judge history by today's standards. But what I learned is this after studying slavery, take yourself to the National, uh, the African-American History Museum in D.C. You will learn that there were many people that knew that this was wrong. The people on the boats would hear slaves crying and, and screaming and kill them or throw them off to, to shut them up because they didn't want to hear it because it hurts your soul because you know it's wrong. All people inherently know things that are right and wrong. They do. They just choose to do something else. But this whole Tom Cotton thing, it came up because of the night of uh, the 1619 project which is something that was started or helped found it by this lady named Nicole Hannah Jones. And what it is, is, well, actually it is change. It is changing the way that we teach the curriculum about the history of this country. It is about that 1619 is when slaves really started arriving on ships here on American uh, soil. And so Tom Cotton, he, uh, put up legislation called the Saving America History Act of 2020, which would prohibit the use of federal funds to teach the 1619 project by K through 12 schools or districts. So schools that taught it would not then receive funding. So that means low income schools. All it is like it just doesn't even make sense because the truth is it the part of the problem is that we've sugarcoated history. Part of the race problem in our country, we have sugar-coated history. Like we don't really tell how damaging that this was and how there were people who treated their own families well, but were jerks out in the real world doing the wrong things, raping women, separating families, beating them, using kids as gator bait, killing them. I mean, really, when you really think about it, these were people who came from another country, didn't speak the language. Uh, multiple languages between them couldn't communicate. Then you break them up and then you enslave them because it is possible to feel how I feel, which is that, which I know a lot of black people feel the same way. And a lot of Brown people as well. You can say 
America has never been great for everybody. It's been great for white men for the whole time. You can say America has not been great for everybody, but still say, I love my country. I don't wish that I was born anywhere else. I am happy here, but we got to get this fixed. You can say that all at the same time because you can't justify and saying it was a necessary evil because it wasn't. We just chose to do the wrong thing there. And now we're trying to undo and fix all of this stuff. You didn't have to do it that way. There's always a better way just because it has worked out for America being a great nation in terms of financially and all that. Then that's not a justification because truthfully, we're falling behind in education. We're so much in debt because we're doing things the wrong way. We built it incorrectly. Yes, you do have to fix it now, but just acknowledge that is a problem, Tom, Tom Cotton. It, like, I'm not sure why it's so hard for some white people to be OK with telling the truth about America. The entire history has been racist. Think about this. My parents were alive and kids during the civil rights movement. My dad's only 60. That's not that long ago. So to say that America hasn't been built in racism when you enslaved people and then still had white only signs in the 60s and 70s. Like, come on, man. Schools weren't even fully integrated till almost 1990. That was 30 years ago. That's not that long ago. So, yes, that's the entire history. I'm sorry to break it to you. If you get upset. Sorry, that's not that's not my fault. These are things we need to hear. Mississippi didn't even send the paperwork to ratify the 13th Amendment outlawing slavery until 2013. Come on, man. Uh, last thing up. The NFL now has the Lou Williams rule for reckless COVID behavior. Lou Williams obviously went to Magic City, got his chicken wings, uh, lied. Jack Harlow posted it on Instagram. He got found out. Now he's quarantining for 10 days, lost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Um, like now the NFL has a new policy that if you are high risk, if you do high risk behavior, you can be put on the non football injury list and not paid. And per their new memo, that's going to be added a side letter aside to the deal. If you go to an indoor nightclub with more than 15 people, an indoor bar with more than 15 people, other than to pick up food. An indoor house party with more than 15 people, an indoor music concert entertainment event with more than 15 people, a professional sporting event other than applicable football games or events with more than 15 people or an out or an indoor religious ser service attended by more than 25 percent of the venue's capacity. This is absolutely I mean, I guess you need these protocols, but how the hell are you going to enforce them? How are you going to enforce them? I understand you need the rule, but are you going to hire private investigators to follow everybody around and to and to monitor their social media accounts? The, the, the Lou Williams rule is necessary, but it is absolutely like it's bad. Like if you really look at the situation, the idea that we're going to be playing sports and that they're going to get done. Don't see it doesn't seem possible. I can't see a scenario where that's possible. Because the, just the idea of how you test and how long people have to sit out 
and trying to construct games with sick coaches or sick players? Who's who's going to coach in football if the offensive coordinator? Who's going to call the game? Defensive coordinator, who's going to call the game? Come on, man. Am I right or am I wrong? Peace out. Catch you guys on Wednesday. Happy birthday, Caden Rito.